This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Doc2Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. On the Herd podcast, our goal is educating, empowering, and engaging our listeners, including doctors, in the best ways that we can. We love what Doc2Doc is doing within our community and encourage you to visit their website at www.doctodoclending.com. That's www.doc, the number two, doclending.com forward slash FPD to learn more today. A 25-year-old woman has excruciating pain with sexual intercourse. She has seen a few doctors, but so far, no medications have helped relieve her pain. It's just so painful to have sex, she says. Like, I know it's going to hurt, so my pelvis just locks up. She's been told to go to physical therapy, but she says, what's the point of this? How is physical therapy going to help me with pain during sex? Is that just doing Kegel exercises? Because I tried that already, and it made everything worse. So isn't pelvic floor physical therapy just going to hurt too? Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back to another episode of the Hurt Podcast, Season 4. So today's episode is going to focus on another key treatment of pelvic pain, specifically pelvic floor physical therapy. Pelvic floor physical therapy, unlike physical therapy of any other part of the body, can often be seen as confusing, scary, and invasive. So we wanted to get a little bit more into an in-depth conversation about what pelvic floor physical therapy entails, what conditions it can help treat, and maybe even bust a few myths. So joining me today will be Dr. Mukta Chauhan, DPT, pelvic floor physical therapist. Now, Dr. Mukta brings over 10 years of experience in manual physical therapy and is one of the few physical therapists in the country with double board certification in orthopedics and women's health. She has spent the last several years fortifying her foundations in pain science, pelvic health, and orthopedics, is an advocate of women's health, and is an active member of the Women's Section of the American Physical Therapy Association and Global Pelvic Health Alliance. She regularly participates in community education to raise awareness about pelvic health. She currently practices in New York City and can be found on Instagram at thepelvic.connection. Thank you so much for joining us and let's get started. So welcome, Dr. Mukta. So let's start with, you know, just what is your take on pelvic floor anatomy? There are a lot of myths surrounding the pelvic floor. What are some that you've heard or some that you've wanted to spell? Pelvic floor anatomy is very unique because it's a group of muscles that not only uh, when we when it comes to muscles, we only think about or it must be helping move something or stabilizing a joint. But pelvic floor muscles are unique in the way that they support the organ functions as well, your bladder function, your bowel function and your reproductive organ functions as well. 
since we are talking about pelvic health and sexual health, and there is a lot of taboo and shame, people do not talk openly about these topics. So it's very common for myths or misinformation to circulate in this special field. You know, one of the things that people think is, or when they hear the word pelvic floor, it must relate to a woman or, you know, a pregnant woman even more so, or someone who has just given childbirth. But all humans have pelvic floor and everyone can at some point in life can experience uh, problems related to pelvic floor muscles or pelvic floor anatomy in general. It doesn't have to be just the muscles. What I hear is like all, all the time or mostly what people think is like Kegels or pelvic floor muscle weakness is the issue that causes all these issues, uh, all the problems in that area. So everybody just, uh, you know, the general uh, suggestion is just do your Kegels and you'll be fine. But there is another side of the coin that the same muscles that can get weak can become overactive as well. And there is a whole host of issues, pelvic floor dysfunction. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about that later. You know, that's, that's absolutely key. What you said, uh, especially about the Kegels, because that's what I hear all the time. Like, well, I tried to do Kegels and it didn't help my pain. Um, but that's such a big myth because it's not just about strengthening muscles. Muscles aren't necessarily meant to just be strengthened. They're meant to be balanced. And so you might need it to be strengthened. You might need it to be relaxed. Um, and I think that was a great point, what you said with how the pelvic floor kind of is almost like a bowl, like holding all of our organs, bones, muscles, holding everything together. And so, and we don't pay nearly enough attention to it that we do to other muscles in the body. Like we're always trying to strengthen other muscles in the body, but we ignore pelvic floor, which is like a core component of our body. You made a very good point there that uh, we actually don't need to think about these muscles because they are supposed to work automatically until something happens. And then we are wondering, where are these muscles? Because as I often joke with my patients, the brain doesn't know the coordinates for pelvic floor muscles. So we have to kind of create that mind-body connection, especially when it comes to pelvic floor muscles. Yeah. Absolutely. So getting into that, what exactly is pelvic floor physical therapy? Like, how do you assess a patient when they first come to you? Yeah, so pelvic floor PT is a specialized branch of PT where we are dealing with anything that pertains to the pelvic region. We assess not just the pelvic floor muscles, which is the main area that we kind of treat uh, in the pelvic region, but we also assess the pelvic joints, which is the pubic symphysis in the front and the SI joint in the back. Uh, we also assess the nerves uh, most commonly that this is another myth that everything that's happening in the pelvic region. And if there is a nerve involved, it has to be the pudendal nerve. But there are so many other nerves that kind of supplies that region, your genital femoral, ilioinguinal nerve, femoral nerve, which is kind of close by as well. Uh, so it's very important to kind of uh, tease out exactly what is causing the problem. So uh, a detailed assessment is very important when a patient comes for a pelvic floor PT assessment. I think there is still a lot of confusion about pelvic floor PT and everybody, again, like thinks that it's only for pregnant women. Uh, but there are so many males that are kind of uh, they're understanding that they also have a pelvic floor and their prostate function or uh, you know, just bladder function is actually connected to these pelvic floor muscles. So any issue that could be could be causing any dysfunction with their bladder, bowel, or uh, reproductive functions, uh, that's what a pelvic PT helps with. Uh, we provide conservative treatment for these these conditions. Great. I feel like a lot of times patients will come in and tell me, 
that they've been told they have quote unquote pelvic floor dysfunction. What exactly does that mean? Because I feel like no one really explains that to a patient. Like what exactly is, does that mean that your pelvic floor is dysfunctional? Yeah. Can you kind of explain what that is and like what kind of symptoms they might be experiencing? Just like how I said, these pelvic floor muscles are responsible for a lot of organ functions. And, you know, just to simply explain what pelvic floor dysfunction is, basically these pelvic floor muscles are not functioning optimally, as simple as that. Uh, so generally, again, thinking uh, the function of the pelvic floor muscles, everybody would think, oh, they need just strengthening. So a pelvic floor, when they when it contracts, is supposed to squeeze and lift. Uh, but there is a very little emphasis on the other part of the movement, which is expansion and relaxation. Uh, so pelvic floor dysfunction is basically overactivity in these muscles, where the muscles kind of stay in that tense or uh, hyperactivity uh, state for a longer period of time when they should be relaxing, uh, you know. So this overactivity can kind of like upset the bladder, the nerves, the bowel, the reproductive organs as well. So I'm just going to talk about symptoms based on each organ. So if someone's pelvic floor muscles are not working optimally, meaning they don't have a good coordination of good contraction and then subsequent relaxation. For bladder, some of the, some of the symptoms that people can experience are uh, difficulty voiding completely, urgency frequency of urination, which is one of the most common one. And a lot of people think it has to be a UTI or some kind of infection. But it's, they are, all my patients are really shocked when they hear that a tight pelvic floor muscles can actually cause uh, similar symptoms. So uh, urgency frequency, difficulty voiding uh, the bladder completely, weak stream or uh, post-voidal dribble, which is basically you are done peeing, but then there's still a little bit of leakage happening. That could happen because of uh, overactive activity in these pelvic floor muscles. When it, it's related to gut, uh, the pelvic floor muscles are supposed to relax in order to eliminate the bowel movement. Uh, when these muscles remain tight, uh, we call this pelvic floor dyssynergia or, or you know, puborectalis dyssynergia, which means that the pelvic floor muscles are, are not able to expand and relax. So that can cause constipation. So a lot of people are like, what? You treat constipation as well? <laughs> so uh, that's another thing that we treat as far as the bowel dysfunction is concerned. A lot of time, people with IBS eventually can also develop pelvic floor dysfunction-like symptoms. So since pelvic floor muscles are supporting these different organs, the problem can start in one area and then you can simultaneously have issues in the other area as well. So it could be that, you know, these patients could have, you know, chronic constipation since childhood and now they are experiencing incontinence or uh, bladder related issues. So there could be there could be a link, uh, which we mostly find in pelvic floor muscles. And of course, like, how can I forget painful sex, uh, dyspareunia or vaginismus? Uh, this is basically is also because can also be because of poor functioning of these pelvic floor muscles. That's great. That's super thorough. Love it. Um, in terms of the techniques that you use, I mean, there's, you know, a variety of techniques that we've heard of trigger point release, biofeedback, dilators, things like that. Can you kind of go into some of the more common techniques that you use and what that entails? 
Yeah. So anyone who comes for a PT treatment, the first thing is always it's an individual treatment. So it has to be based on the assessment that we do, like exactly what is causing their problem. A lot of people, their pelvic floor dysfunction could be starting from because they are always sucking in their belly. So we have to assess their posture, their breathing, their sitting posture, like how they are, are they always sitting in that posterior pelvic tilt, always slumping. So all these things can eventually affect the pelvic floor uh, muscular function. So as far as the treatment is concerned, based on whatever assessment we are we are doing, the plan of care is going, going to be dependent on that. Trigger point uh, release or myofascial release are like one of the most basic treatments that we do. Uh, but we, I kind of want to go into a little bit of detail. Like I think the first thing that all the PTs do or your PT should do is help you find your pelvic floor, help you connect to your pelvic floor, help you connect to your diaphragm. Because some of these like breathing or pelvic floor functions are usually automatic functions. So you're not really thinking about them. These muscles are automatic. So kind of like creating that connection can help you start figuring out, oh, I didn't even realize that I'm always clenching my pelvic floor. Oh, I didn't even realize that I'm actually a shallow breather. I breathe at the top of my chest, not really with my diaphragm. So when we are kind of creating this uh, mind-body connection, a lot of times people start to realize their own patterns, whether what kind of posture they are using um, or how they are moving, you know, how they are using their body on a day-to-day basis. So once this is established, we always start with breathing exercises because this is always the best, especially if someone is in pain, if they can kind of like learn to relax their uh, pelvic floor on their own, that's the best thing. Because a lot of people are also kind of concerned about the internal treatment that PTs do. Uh, if someone has pain already, they're, you know, they're, they're always like, you know, are you going to be doing internal assessment? A lot of people do not even know that PTs do that. So, you know, a lot of, you know, the first time we're just kind of educating them uh, that, you know, after doing an external assessment, I'm going to check your pelvic floor muscles. And if they're not ready we don't do it that day. Again, a lot of this uh, treatment can be started externally, treating them breathing exercises, even releasing some of the superficial pelvic floor muscles externally, uh, working around their perineum, even releasing some of the hip muscles can actually help release the pelvic floor muscles. If they are ready for internal assessment, then we can check if there is any trigger points or myofascial tightness in the pelvic floor muscles, the deep pelvic floor muscles. And then, yes, of course, like if there is any tightness there, then trigger point therapy is used, myofascial release, joint mobilization can be used, mobilizing the pubic symphysis or SI joint. If the tension is more towards the muscle insertion on the joint, if the tension is more there, then we use the joint mobilization more. Some of the other techniques are electrotherapy is one of the things that we also use in MPT. Biofeedback is another one. And I want to talk about biofeedback a little bit more. Yeah. Can you explain that a little? Yeah. So biofeedback is basically you're just getting a feedback through a device and you understand, you learn about your pelvic floor muscles. Again, coming back to the same thing, it's very hard to connect to your pelvic floor muscles for a lot of us. And it's not just because that we are not aware of them and these muscles are automatic. It is, again, around the societal conditioning. We're not supposed to look at our genitals or think about our genitals or uh, 
you know, touch them. So that is another reason why it could be super hard for people to actually connect. Uh, I have found that people, once they kind of uh, gauge their breathing and they are able to connect to their pelvic floor, I don't sometimes have to do a lot of internal manipulation or trigger point therapy and these kind of things because this mind-body connection is super powerful there. But if someone is continuing to have issue with finding their pelvic floor, biofeedback therapy could be super, super beneficial for them. So it's basically just a device where uh, it kind of shows a graph going up and down. Uh, It could be depending on like how expensive the biofeedback uh, equipment is, you can see waves and, you know, different colors and stuff like that to help people uh, kind of differentiate between contraction of the muscle and relaxation of the muscle. But it's again done with the help of a probe that's inserted either vaginally or rectally. So if someone has a baseline pain, like someone with vaginismus where they cannot even insert their little finger inside, let alone a probe, a biofeedback probe, they could have problem with biofeedback therapy. So again, like it really depends where the patient is in their, how progressed their condition is or how much pain they are in or where they are mentally that very day. We can use these, all these different treatments in various proportions and, you know, sequence. I'm actually really glad you mentioned that in terms of the internal work versus external, because there have been so many times when I've had patients that no one told them that this is what it might entail and just sent them to pelvic floor physical therapy, like go do pelvic floor physical therapy with no kind of warning or information of what this might entail, that there might be internal work in addition to external work. And then it's just like feeds into this fear cycle of like, oh my God, I can't do that. Yeah. And that to me is also why when things like vaginal dilators are recommended to patients that have things like vaginismus, I think the big degree of that is control. They can have their own control with what they're doing instead of somebody else taking that control over. So they can you know, that mind-body connection, they can kind of slowly start to diffuse that fear. Absolutely. And we know that fear is one of the biggest, you know, it's the danger signal and the pain is going to definitely go up if they are not feeling safe in that atmosphere or with their PT. So that's why it's so important. Like, you know, uh, a lot of my mentors, they have told me like, if someone is, if they're not comfortable with even your touch, like always start with their feet and then, you know, go towards, uh, the pelvic region. So it it's like the work is so uh the patient is the one who is driving us or leading us if they're not giving us their consent, you know that it's it's and again like let's let's say they did not know that PT entails internal work. The first appointment is always about education. What it's going to be like, what it's going to entail. Yes, they a lot of my patients are like, what are you talking about? Internal work. And then they they kind of collect all the information that I am giving to them. And they I always tell them, like, think about it. We can continue to work externally until you feel comfortable. And we have all these dilators and wands, different other devices. And actually, before even dilators and wands, because it's again a foreign object, can still instill a lot of fear. I have seen this so many times. I tell them, use your hand. And that's the safest thing you can do. And it's always easy 
to find the muscles with your own hand because you are there is no middle object or person between your body and your mind so uh they it gives them a lot of empowerment like that and again like it it's almost like you know they are owning their sexuality they're feeling confident about their body so a lot of this goes into this positive reinforcement you know positive body image and all those things so i sometimes tell them like hey you know if you're not comfortable even with your hand use a mirror and just look at it just see do a little tiny contraction and then relax and see if you see your perineum bulging or relaxing this is also a form of biofeedback you know you're using a mirror you're using using a visual biofeedback device so you know there's so many, it really depends on where the person the patient is and you have to kind of work with them you cannot there is no kind of cookie cutter approach where oh yes breathing wands internal work myofascial release so it's it it really changes based on the person so what kind of pain conditions can you treat with pelvic floor physical therapy yeah, I love that question because pelvic pain is like my most favorite thing to work with. It, uh, I really, really enjoy working with all my patients who have pelvic pain because it just, it's not just like, you know, I'm working with muscles or joints, but it also, you know, makes me work in an interdisciplinary manner because, you know, I'm working with my pain physicians, um, mental health therapists, uh, sexual therapists, and, you know, nutritionists, and, you know, depending on what the patient requires. So a lot of conditions uh, that, you know, pelvic PTs can help with. Vaginismus, everybody is aware of that, but not just vaginismus. Vaginismus is basically, you know, no matter what you, what you try, insertion of any object or, you know, intercourse is going to be difficult. Like it just doesn't happen. But pelvic floor dysfunction can also cause uh, dyspareunia or pain with sex. And this is, uh, divided in like are you having super pain with superficial penetration or deep penetration because the treatment uh diagnosis everything is going to be different uh, based on when are they experiencing the pain uh so some of the superficial pain conditions are uh vulvodynia which is basically pain in the vulva it could be even more uh specific to your to the vestibule which is the area between the inner lip and the opening of the vagina uh so pain in the vestibule is treated differently uh there could be pain in the clitoris a pain with orgasm or uh pgad which is persistent genital arousal disorder again based on whether it is muscular as long as it is muscular or as long as it has some nerve component pts can help and more often than not, there is a muscular component. Let's say the muscle didn't start the problem, but since the problem has been there for for a while, the muscles are going to be involved sooner or later. So teaching these patients how to relax their pelvic floor muscles or kind of continue to stay in that relaxed state could be very powerful for these patients for pain management. Some people can also have thickened hymen that can also cause Again, like PTs cannot really work with that. They may need hymenectomy, but post hymenectomy for any kind of scarring, PTs can help with that remodeling of the scar tissue. The same way uh, any episiotomy scar for, for women uh, have who has gone through childbirth, episiotomy scar or just a perineal tear scar can also cause pain with insertion. So yeah, that can also be helped with PT. 
then deeper pains could be either from uh, some of the hip muscles. A lot of times, some of my patients with uh, hypermobility in the hip joints, not just hip joints, but they have hypermobility EDS or hypermobility syndrome. These people can also have tightness uh, in their pelvic floor muscles because pelvic floor muscles are actually helping stabilize you know, these loose joints on either side of it. These people can have uh, more deeper tightness in their pelvic floor muscles and can experience uh, pain with deeper intercourse uh, or just just pain. You know, it doesn't have to be related to intercourse. They are just sitting and they are experiencing pelvic pain or pelvic pain with uh, voiding when they are urinating or when they are having a bowel movement. Uh, So these are some of the pain conditions that PT can help with. And endometriosis. How can I forget that? <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. PT. I mean, of course, endometriosis. We we it cannot be treated. I just want to say it out loud. Uh, PT is just an adjunct, uh, just to help with the pain management with endometriosis. Absolutely. And you know what you had said earlier. I think this is particularly true with endometriosis, but in general, with kind of all the conditions. I think the pelvic floor in general and pelvic pain is very unique in that it is a very collaborative effort to optimize the patient because it's not like any other part of your body. It's not just back pain or something that's very kind of not only common, but not taboo in any way. And so here you'd need collaboration with so many different specialists to be able to kind of get the patient to the best condition they're going to be in. So now let's deviate a little bit and talk about pregnancy. So with pregnancy, do you recommend physical, one, I want to ask like for patients that already have chronic pelvic pain, and then two, for patients that maybe as a preventative measure in order to kind of strengthen them in order to give birth, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, pelvic PT is super helpful in uh, anyone who is pregnant. Uh, It's not just, so here's the thing, like, you know, and a few of my patients have told me this. They think that strengthening during pregnancy is just a waste of time because they're going to have to start from scratch after childbirth anyway, which I highly, highly disagree with. And I always explain it to them that, you know, you're, you're, you're just pregnant right now and uh, childbirth and taking care of a baby later on are, they're not any easy uh, thing to do. So your body needs a lot of strength to take care of that tiny human being. And as you know, it's almost like, you know, you're catching up with the uh, increase in the weight, increase in the weight and size of the baby. So you're constantly like, okay, I don't have any time. I'm up all night. I cannot sleep to recover uh, from uh, the childbirth. And now I have to take care of this baby and my, my body feels super weak. So absolutely so important to strengthen the body when you are, and it doesn't matter if you are seeing a trainer or you're doing Pilates or you know, you're coming to a PT, it doesn't matter. As long as you are doing strengthening, it's great, you know. But there could be other issues, like there could be existing pubic symphysis dysfunction or SI joint pain, because in pregnancy, you know, a lot of times relaxin is blamed for a lot of different things that are happening. I'm going to interrupt you for a second there just to explain what that is. Yes. So during pregnancy, for our audience during pregnancy, your body releases a hormone called relaxin, which basically kind of loosens the ligaments and joints around, which can sometimes destabilize the spine. And mostly what it does is it can cause 
pain while you're pregnant. And then for about 20% of women, they can develop chronic pain after pregnancy, either in the front, their pubic symphysis, like you mentioned, or in the back, their sacroiliac joints. Um, they can develop chronic pain in that, partly because of that hormone, but also it is really also kind of lack of strengthening to kind of keep up with. Thank you for saying that. Yes, because relaxin gets such a bad rap. And I was actually looking for some research and actually they haven't really figured out like exactly what is causing the pubic symphysis dysfunction. Relaxin is just like one, uh, you know, cog in the wheel kind of thing. You know, there is weakness in the muscles and the entire, like the, as the baby grows, your entire, the load, the, the mechanics is changing of your spine and the, and the muscles. So uh, of course, like, you know, if the, the ligaments that support the joint, if they are kind of loosening up and, you know, uh, relaxin actually metabolizes the the collagen. It breaks down the collagen. So, of course, if they are not strong, the muscles will have to work super hard. A lot of times, these women experience tightness in the inner thigh muscles because they are kind of like trying super hard to support the pubic symphysis, where exactly the weight of the baby kind of like falls, pretty much. Yeah, and the uterus actually connects to the sacrum, which is the the bone in the back. So as the as the uterus is growing towards the front, this uterosacral ligament, which is the the ligament that connects the uterus to the sacrum, keeps on getting stretched out and out and uh, creates back pain. So a lot of times, supporting these ligaments by strengthening the muscles can be super, super, super powerful and useful for people who are pregnant. And of course, like if you are strengthening and you are continuing to be on this kind of a exercise streak, then it's much easier for you to get back into exercises uh, in postpartum as well. Absolutely. I think we've covered quite a bit, which is fantastic. This was a fantastic overview. We might do even more on this in the future. Uh, but for now, I think this was a great introduction. Very thorough. I very much appreciate your time. Um, any last kind of thoughts for our listeners? I would just say, I think uh, this is a very uh, commonly used phrase in the pelvic PT. Nothing is TMI. Nothing is TMI. Please do not feel embarrassed discussing anything that you are experiencing with your provider, whether it is, it is a physician or a PT. Uh, a lot of times I have to kind of make them talk, uh, ask a lot of questions. They my patients think, oh, why do I have to talk about my bowel health? Or why do I have to talk about uh, my sexual pain? I'm here for my bladder. So I'm just gonna give information only for that specific organ. But it is super important that you talk about everything. It's and a lot of times people kind of apologize for oversharing. And it's actually really not oversharing. So I really encourage everyone out there, if you are even wondering that you have something going on with your bladder, bowel, or with your reproductive organs, go find a pelvic PT and, you know, talk to them. We may not be able to help you, but at least just kind of help you. You know, I, I think I kind of take pride in this, like after hearing medical history of my patient, I, I can kind of figure out which doctor they should be seeing first. And I think that's where PTs can be super helpful, not just like, oh, come come to us just to learn some exercises, but we can kind of like curate this uh, team effort for you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's very true. Because a lot of times also, I think patients may not mention things because they don't think it's relevant. But 
it it might be yeah. because they're they're only thinking oh pelvic floor just muscles and may not mention a bladder issue or anything because they're like oh that's that's a separate thing so or shame or shame exactly so that's fantastic well thank you so much for joining us um and then to our audience thank you for listening and we'll see you next time we would love to hear your thoughts Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at the female pain docs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.